Peter Rabbit from The Tale of Peter Rabbit by Beatrix Potter, Frederick Warren and Company, 1902. That was a long time ago, wasn't it? Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank under the root of a very big fir tree. Now, my dears, said old Mrs. Rabbit one morning, you may go into the fields or down the lane, but don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Your father had an accident there. He was put in a pie by Mrs. McGregor. Now run along and don't get into mischief. I'm going out. Then old Mrs. Rabbit took a basket and her umbrella and went through the wood to the baker's. She bought a loaf of brown bread and five currant buns. Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail, who were good little bunnies, went down the lane to gather blackberries. But Peter, who was very naughty, ran straight away to Mr. McGregor's garden and squeezed under the gate. First, he ate some lettuces and some French beans. Then he ate some radishes. And then, feeling rather sick, he went to look for some parsley. But round the end of a cucumber frame, whom should he meet but Mr. McGregor? Mr. McGregor was on his hands and knees planting out young cabbages, but he jumped up and ran after Peter, waving a rake and calling, calling out, Stop, thief! Peter was most dreadfully frightened. He rushed all over the garden, for he had forgotten the way back to the gate. He lost one of his shoes among the cabbages and the other shoe amongst the potatoes. After losing them, he ran on four legs and went faster, so that I think he might have got away altogether if, not, if he had not unfortunately run into a gooseberry net and got caught by the large buttons on his jacket. It was a blue jacket with brass buttons quite new. Peter gave himself up for lost and shed big tears, but his sobs were over, overheard by some friendly sparrows who flew to him in great excitement and implored him to exert himself. Mr. McGregor came up with a sieve, which he intended to pop on the top of Peter, but Peter wriggled out just in time, leaving his jacket behind him, and rushed into the tool shed and jumped into a can. It would have been a beautiful thing to hide in it if it had not had so much water in it. Mr. McGregor was quite sure that Peter was somewhere in the tool shed, perhaps hidden underneath the flower pot, he began to turn them over carefully, looking under each. Presently, Peter sneezed. Kershaw! Mr. McGregor was after him in no time and tried to put his foot upon Peter, who jumped out of a window, upsetting three plants. The window was too small for Mr. McGregor, and he was tired of running after Peter. He went back to his work. Peter sat down to rest. He was out of breath and trembling with fright, and he had not the least idea which way to go. Also, he was very damp with sitting in that can. After a time, he began to wonder about going lippity, lippity, not very fast, and looking all around. He found a door in a wall but it was locked and there was no room for a fat little rabbit to squeeze underneath. An old mouse was running in and out over the stone doorstep, carrying peas and beans to her family in the wood. Peter asked her the way to the gate, but she had such a large pea in her mouth that she could not answer. She only shook her head at him. Peter began to cry. Then he tried to find his way straight across the garden, but he became more and more puzzled. Presently, he came to a pond where Mr. McGregor filled his water cans. A white cat was staring at some goldfish. She sat very, very still, but now and then the tip of her tail twitched as if it were alive. Peter thought it best to go away without speaking to her. He had heard about cats from his cousin, little Benjamin Bunny. That's another story you can read, isn't it, kids? He went back towards the tool shed, but suddenly, quite close to him, he heard the noise of a hoe. 
scratch, 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 scratch. Peter scuttered underneath the bushes, but presently, as nothing happened, he came out and climbed up, climbed upon a wheelbarrow and peeped over. The first thing he saw was Mr. McGregor hoeing onions. His back was turned towards Peter, and beyond him was the gate. Peter got down very quietly off the wheelbarrow and started running as fast as he could go along a straight walk behind some black currant bushes. Mr. McGregor caught sight of him at the corner, but Peter did not care. He slipped underneath the gate and was safe at last in the wood outside the garden. Mr. McGregor hung up the little jacket and the shoes for a scarecrow to frighten the blackbirds. Peter never stopped running or looked behind him till he got home to the big fir tree. He was so tired that he flopped down on the nice soft sand on the floor of the rabbit hole and shut his eyes. His mother was busy cooking. She wondered what he had done with his clothes. It was a second little jacket and pair of shoes that Peter had lost in a fortnight. I'm sorry to say that Peter was not very well during the evening. His mother put him to bed and gave him, made him some chamomile tea, and she gave a dose of it to Peter, one tablespoonful to be taken at bedtime. But Flopsy, Mopsy, and Cottontail had bread and milk and blackberries for supper. The end. This is the tale of Tommy Tiptoes by Beatrix Potter, and it's the 100th anniversary edition. It says it was copyrighted in 1992, so that means it was originally written in 1892. That's a super long time ago. And this is a really good book published by Ottenheimer Publishers Incorporated. Once upon a time, there was a little fat, comfortable gray squirrel called Tommy Tiptoes. He had a nest thatched with leaves in the top of a tall tree, and he had a little squirrel wife called Goody. Tommy Tiptoes sat out enjoying the breeze. He whisked his tail and chuckled, Little wife Goody, the nuts are ripe. We must lay up a store for winter and spring. Goody Tiptoes was busy pushing moss under the thatch. The nest is so snug we shall be sound asleep all winter. Then we shall wake up all the thinner when there's nothing to eat in the springtime, replied prudent Timothy. That means he was careful and wise, prudent. When Timmy and Goody Tiptoes came to the nut thicket, they found other squirrels were there already. Timmy took off his jacket and hung it on a twig. They worked away quietly by themselves. Every day they made several journeys and picked quantities of nuts. They carried them away in bags and stored them in several hollow stumps near the tree where they had built their nest. When these stumps were full, they began to empty the bags into a hole high up in a tree that had belonged to a woodpecker. The nuts rattled down, down, down inside. How shall you ever get them out again? It's like a money box, said Goody. I shall be much thinner before springtime, my love, said Timmy Tiptoes, peeping into the hole. They did collect quantities because they did not lose them. Squirrels who bury their nuts in the ground lose more than half because they cannot remember the place. The most forgetful squirrel in the wood was called Silvertail. He began to dig and he could not remember. Then he dug again and found some nuts that did not belong to him. And there was a fight and other squirrels began to dig. The whole wood was in commotion. Unfortunately, just at this time, a flock of little birds flew by from bush to bush, searching for green caterpillars and spiders. There were several sorts of little birds twittering different songs. The first one sang, Who's been digging up my nuts? Who's been digging up my nuts? And another saying, little bit of bread and no cheese, little bit of bread and no cheese. The squirrels followed and listened. 
The first little bird flew into the bush where Timmy and Goody Tiptoes were quietly tying up their bags, and it sang, Who's been digging up my nuts? Who's been digging up my nuts? Timmy Tiptoes went on with his work without replying. Indeed, the little bird did not expect an answer. It was only singing its natural song, and it meant nothing at all. But when the other squirrels heard the song, they rushed upon Timmy Tiptoes and cuffed and scratched him and upset his bag of nuts. The innocent little bird, which had caused all the mischief, flew away in a fright. Timmy rolled over and over and then turned tail and fled towards his nest, followed by a crowd of squirrels shouting, "'Who's been digging up my nuts?' They caught him and dragged him up the very same tree where there was the little round hole, and they pushed him in. The hole was much too small for Timmy Tiptoe's figure. They squeezed him dreadfully. It was a wonder they did not break his ribs. "'We will leave him there until he confesses,' said Silvertail Squirrel." And he shouted into the hole, Who's been digging up my nuts? Timmy Tiptoes made no reply. He had tumbled down inside the tree upon half a peck of nuts belonging to himself. He lay quite stunned and still. Goody Tiptoes picked up the nut bags and went home. She made a cup of tea for Timmy, but he didn't come and didn't come. Goody Tiptoes passed a lonely and unhappy night. Next morning, she ventured back to the nut bushes to look for him, but the other unkind squirrels drove her away. She wandered all over the wood, calling, Timmy Tiptoes, Timmy Tiptoes, oh, where is Timmy Tiptoes? In the meantime, Timmy Tiptoes came to his senses. He found himself tucked up in a little moss bed, very much in the dark, feeling sore. It seemed to be underground. Timmy coughed and groaned because his ribs hurted him. There was a chirpy noise and a small striped chipmunk appeared with a nightlight and he hoped he felt better. It was most kind to Timmy Tiptoes. It lent him its nightcap and the house was full of provisions. The chipmunk explained that it had rained nuts through the top of the tree. Besides, I found a few buried. It laughed and chuckled when it heard Timmy's story. While Timmy was confined to bed, it ticed him to eat quantities. How shall I ever get out through that hole unless I thin myself? My wife will be anxious. Just another nut or two nuts. Let me crack them for you, said the chipmunk. Timmy Tiptoes grew fatter and fatter. Now Goody Tiptoes had set to work again by herself. She did not put any more nuts into the woodpecker's hole because she had always doubted how they could be got out again. She hid them under a tree root. They rattled down, down, down. Once when Goody emptied an extra big bag full, there was a decided squeak. And next time Goody brought another bag full, a little striped chipmunk scrambled out in a hurry. It is getting perfectly full downstairs. The sitting room is full and they're rolling along the passage. And my husband Chippy Hacky has run away and left me. What is the explanation of these showers of nuts? sure i beg your pardon i did not know that anybody lived here said mrs goody tiptoes but where is chippy hacky my husband timmy tiptoes has run away too i know where chippy is a little bird told me said mrs chippy hacky she led the way to the woodpecker's tree and they listened at the hole down below there was a noise of nutcrackers and a fat squirrel voice and a thin squirrel voice were singing together my little old man and i fell out how shall we bring this matter about? Bring it about as well as you can and get you gone, you little old man. Hmm, who's that, children? 
You could squeeze in through that little round hole, said Goody Tiptoes. Yes, I could, said the chipmunk, but my husband Chippy Hacky bites. Down below, there was a noise of cracking nuts and nibbling, and then the fat squirrel voice and the thin squirrel voice sang, For the diddlum day, day, diddle dum dee, day, diddle dum day. Then Goody peeped in at the hole and called down, Timmy Tiptoes, oh fie, Timmy Tiptoes. And Timmy replied, Is that you, Goody Tiptoes? Why, certainly. He came up and kissed Goody through the hole, but he was so fat he could not get out. Chippy Hacky was not too fat, but he did not want to come, so he stayed down below and chuckled. And so went on for a fortnight, oh my, till a big wind blew the top of the tree and opened up the hole and let in the rain. Then Timmy Tiptoes came out and went home with an umbrella. But Chippy Hacky continued to camp out for another week, although it was uncomfortable. At last, a large bear came walking through the wood. Perhaps he was also looking for nuts. He seemed to be sniffing around. Chippy Hacky went home in a hurry. And when Chippy Hacky got home, he found he had caught a cold in his head and he was more uncomfortable still. And now Timmy and Goody Tiptoes keep their nut store fastened up with a little padlock. And whenever that little bird sees the chipmunks, he sings, Who's been digging up my nuts? Who's been digging up my nuts? But nobody ever answers. The end. The Tale of Tom Kitten by Beatrix Potter, 100th Anniversary Edition. This was published in 1890 or 1992, so we assume that in 1892 it was first published. And it's by Beatrix Potter, a great little story, The Tale of Tom Kitten. Once upon a time, there were three little kittens, and their names were Mittens, Tom Kitten, and Moppet. They had dear little fur coats of their own, and they tumbled about the doorstep and played in the dust. One day, their mother, Mrs. Tabitha Twitchit, expected friends to tea, so she fetched the kittens indoors to wash and dress them before the fine company arrived. First, she scrubbed their faces. One was Moppet, this one was Moppet. Then she brushed their fur. This one is Mittens. Then she combed their tails and whiskers. This one is Tom Kitten. Tom was very naughty and he scratched. Mrs. Tabitha dressed Moppet Mittens in clean pinafores and tuckers, and then she took all sorts of elegant, uncomfortable clothes out of a chest of drawers in order to dress up her son Thomas. Tom Kitten was very fat, and he had grown several and he had grown. Several buttons burst off. His mother sewed them on again. When the three kittens were ready, Mrs. Tabitha unwisely turned them out into the garden to be out of the way while she made hot buttered toast. Now keep your frocks clean, children. You must walk on your hind legs, keep away from the dirty ash pit, and from Sally Hennypenny, and from the pigsty, and the puddle ducks. Moppet Mittens walked down the garden path unsteadily. Presently they trod upon their pinafores and fell on their noses. When they stood up, there were several green smears. Let us climb up the rockery and sit on the garden wall, said Moppet. They turned their pinafores back to front and went up with a skip and a jump. Moppet's white tucker fell down into the road. We'll have to look up what pinafores and tuckers are, won't we? Tom Kitten was quite unable to jump when walking upon his hind legs and trousers. He came up the rockery by degrees, breaking the ferns and shedding buttons right and left. He was all in pieces when he reached the top of the wall. Moppet and Mittens, so we'll say the rockery is the rock wall, I would say, don't you think, children? 
Moppet and Mittens tried to pull him up together. His hat fell off and the rest of his buttons burst. While they were in difficulties, there was a pit-pat-paddle-pat, and the three puddle ducks came along on the hard high road, marching one behind the other and doing the goose step. Pit-pat-paddle-pat, pit-pat-waddle-pat. They stopped and stood in a row and stared up at the kittens. They had very small eyes, and they looked surprised. Then the two duck birds, Rebecca and Jemima Puddle Duck, picked up the hat and tucker and put them on. Mittens laughed so that when she that she fell off the wall. Moppet and Tom descended after her. The pinafores and all the rest of Tom's clothes came off on the way down. Come, Mr. Drake Puddle Duck, said Moppet. Come and help us to dress him. Come and button up Tom. Mr. Drake Puddle Duck advanced in a slow sideways manner and picked up the various articles. But he put them on himself. They fitted him even worse than Tom Kitten. It's a very fine morning, said Mr. Drake Puddle Duck. And he and Jemima and Rebecca Puddle Duck set off up the road, keeping step. Pit, pat, paddle, pat, pit, pat, waddle, pat. Then Tabitha Twitchit came down the garden and found her kittens on the wall with no clothes on. She pulled them off the wall and smacked them and took them back in, back to the house. My friends will arrive in a minute and you are not fit to be seen. I am affronted, said Mrs. Tabitha Twitchit. She sent them upstairs, I'm sorry to say. She told her friends they were in bed with the measles, which was not true. Quite the contrary, they were not in bed, not in the least. Somehow, there were very extraordinary noises overhead, which disturbed the dignity and repose of the tea party. And I think that someday I shall have to make another larger book to tell you more about Tom Kitten. As for the puddle ducks, they went into a pond. The clothes all came off directly, because there were no buttons. And Mr. Drake Puddle Duck and Jemima and Rebecca have, have been looking for them ever since.